It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. Especially when the season get hectic. I stay waiting on it like receiving a Nets pick. Nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth you might even hear a story on Gigi. So in depth they might do an hour about the D-League. So in depth you probably should pay him but it's a freebie. Yeah, John Corrales and J. King. Locked on trying to get the 18th ring. So you can miss me with the blah blah. No more Geno time. We watching Jay do the Zaza. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Joining you today on the Friday show, jamming into the weekend on a 116-89 loss to the Wizards in Game 3. What a crap fest that was. We are the Rain and Jays, John Corrales, Sam Jam Packer today, brought to you by the good folks at SeatGeek. And now we know that there will at least be a Game 5. So SeatGeek will help you get tickets to Game 5 in Boston. And hopefully when we get there, the Celtics will at be at least up in the series or at least tied in the series, I should say. But if they played like they did tonight, they'll never win again. So um, let's just get your initial thoughts, Sam, because there's... N- there's some interesting little sidebar stuff, but game-wise, I'm not I'm not feeling any anything. I, I don't know what you can really take from a game like this. Yeah, it was a, it was a 48 minute crap fest, um, and it's the type of thing you just have to. If you're the Celtics, kind of had to ignore it and just put it behind you. I think the the game really got away from them. Um, in the first quarter, surprise, surprise, uh, they had a worse, the, one of the worst for playoff first quarters ever in game one. Uh, they, uh, it was worse in game two and it got that much worse in game three, um, to tie the game at 12 and then give up a 22 0 run is absolutely terrible. But, um, can, can I interrupt just for a second? Go on. Can we just, can we just really look at this for a moment and acknowledge that? what you just said is absolutely true and how possible that is. How is that something that actually happened? The Celtics were down 16, nothing in game one. It was absolutely what at that point you would think it, well, it can't get any worse than this. And then somehow game two, that first quarter got worse than that. And we, we came back, Boston came back and won that. And we said, at least that first quarter, we can get no worse than that. And then they came out, and as I tweeted, this is like the Hold My Beer series. This is the series in which 
no matter what you say, it can't get worse than whatever. On either side, it's like they say, oh, can't get worse than that first quarter in game two. And the Celtics say, oh, hold my beer. Here we go. We're going to show you an even worse first quarter. And Let's boy, try this on for size. did they? <laughs> 22 nothing run in the first quarter. So, pardon the interruption there. Sorry. I know that's copyrighted. <laughs> I'm not trying to steal that. But, by all means, proceed with your points. Well, the, the, the problem, as I see it, is giving up 40 points in the first quarter. But it's in in a weird way, I'm I'm less concerned about the Celtics defense than I am about their offense. It felt like the the Wizards, you have to give credit to the Wizards tonight, and Lord knows Brad Stevens did that in the postgame um, by saying they played well in about 87 different ways. Um, but they did a very good job on defense, especially in the first quarter. Uh, John Wall... Uh, kind of limited the space that Isaiah Thomas had, and the Cel—I mean, the Wizards did a great job in rotation, especially on the weak side. They just didn't allow the Celtics to get the open shots that they're kind of accustomed to seeing uh, in the second half of the of the previous two games. It's just they didn't have as many open looks, and the open looks they did have, they didn't—they uh, didn't knock down. And then on top of all that, they had an absurd amount of turnovers and. It feels like the Celtics can get away with having a lot of turnovers and still shooting the ball well, as happened in Game 2, or just not shooting the ball well but keeping the turnovers low. You can't have both. So it's just it, it's the game got away from them after the first quarter, and there really wasn't much you could ask them to do after that. It was just it was, it was crap, and I think is the, the, the main <laughs> problem was the offense. Yeah, the let, let's look at exactly what happened here. And, and I know that I was joking a little bit earlier when I said there's nothing to take, but there is something to take from this. The Celtics came out in this game. They got down early. And really, there was a quick uh, clap back from Jay Crowder, who went on a little bit of a personal run. And we thought, okay, at, at that point, it was 12-12. And I thought, okay, Crowder's having one of those Crowder games. Maybe we'll be able to kind of this. This will be okay because I said coming into this game, I think the the Wizards bench in this game is going to perform, and they will hit shots. And there's no there's no comeback to be made tonight. I said this pregame on Twitter. There's no comeback to be made tonight against this this Wizards bench. I think in at home, after everything, they're due for they're due for one of those you know, decent games. And they had a decent game. But what the Celtics did, really, where this all fell apart was they ran basically this paint-by-numbers offense, which is not necessarily Brad Stevens' fault. It's the players who came down and were very lackadaisical about the passes that they were making. They were telegraphing their passes. They were just trying to go through the motions. They were going through one of those phases where Marcus Smart was, okay, this is where I dribble, and this is where I pass to Al Horford, and this is where I go run off to the right wing and set a pick. And you might as well have been saying it out loud like that because every time they did that, the Wizards came in and stole the ball. The Celtics had a ton of turnovers early, and that they were all live ball turnovers. That led to a lot of opportunities to get out and get running and fuel a 22-0 lead. And instead of sitting there saying, hey, 
I telegraphed a pass and they were anticipating what I did, which means they understand what I'm supposed to be doing. I should probably fake a pass and do something else because they're anticipating and they'll be pulled out of position. It's just like up faking a shot when you know everybody's trying to block shots and they're anticipating. Or if you want to cross over to different sports, like football, when Tom Brady knows that they're anticipating a snap count and you give them a hard a hard count and they jump off sides. It's the same concept. But the Celtics just came out tonight and did not learn, did not care, did not try. So their crappy offense led to a lot of opportunities for the Wizards and the entire thing just fell apart. They lost 39-17 in the first quarter. Second quarter, they lost by one. Third quarter, they lost by three. Fourth quarter, they lost by one. The fourth it was a quarter, close game the rest of the way. The fourth quarter didn't even happen. I mean, that was that, that fourth, was a lot of Tyler Zeller my, minutes. And <laughs> sure, but the point is that they 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 lost this game in that critical twenty-two nothing run in the first quarter because they sucked on offense and they just didn't care to put forth an effort. And I forget who it was that tweeted it. I would love to give this person credit. I think it might have been Alex Kungu who said, the Celtics came out in this game kind of like a team that said, we just need to split in Washington and we're cool. Go back with a 3-1 lead, which is true. And so often when that happens, it's usually this game that they lose. But as, as an observer, it would be great if this was the game that they had won. Now... Who knows what happens in game four? You hear, you know, I see quotes from Gerald Green walking back to the locker room saying we're going to kick their ass in game four. All right, fine, maybe. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But uh, I think this game was lost where the Celtics at the beginning just telegraphed all of their passes, ran a very formulaic offense. They didn't adjust. They didn't go to second or third options. They didn't read and react. They just did. And when the Celtics do the things they're supposed to do, they're really good. But if the Celtics do the shit that they were doing in the first quarter, they're really bad. And that is where the whole thing was lost. And there's really not much, I think, strategy-wise to take from that other than maybe we could talk about, and I'll give it to you here because I've been yammering for a while. Is the starting lineup what you wanted it to be? Is Gerald Green the answer? Is it Amir Johnson or is it somebody else? Well, it's the answer is definitely not Gerald Green. He did not give you uh, really anything tonight except for some uh, irrational uh, turnaround jumpers when they were down by 25 in the in the third quarter. Uh, I also don't think the the answer is Amir Johnson. I think there have you have to put um, some shooting on the floor. I don't know if that's Kelly Olynyk. I don't know if that's Jalen Brown. Uh, at some point, I thought it might have been um, Marcus Smart, but he's not shooting well, and just with his his turnovers tonight, uh, it doesn't feel like you re- you reward him with that kind of performance. But it's, I think they have to ch- go with some sort of changeup. I think Jalen Brown, or maybe Terry Rozier, um, but I don't know. The bench was also uh, not helpful during that 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 stretch there in the end of the first quarter. You're you're absolutely right that they didn't come out with any urgency in terms of running their offense, setting their cuts, and it's. Uh, the kind of thing uh, that happens at the start of quarters with the Celtics is 
when I want them to score more, I immediately go, oh, they should just run the Isaiah Thomas, Al Horford pick and roll. And it's not something they just go to possession after possession. Steven seems to want to have them get into their offense, make like the, the right play, uh, do the actions correctly, get some motion, get everyone touching the basketball. Um, and that's great uh, if you're doing it correctly and you're doing it with a sense of purpose and sense of urgency. And that just... The Celtics never had it tonight. They didn't have a chance to get to the kind of Al Horford, Isaiah Thomas pick and roll because they couldn't get the the basics of the offense down. So uh, in terms of strategy, taking it from the game, I think the, they're going to have to do something about the, the start of the quarter because they cannot go – They can one, they cannot give up 40 points in the first quarter again, and they just cannot be down by 10. There's only so many times that you can just keep making these comebacks. Um, but I don't know exactly what that – that change is I feel like given the way the Wizards play defense tonight and their ability to rotate you're going to want some a good shooter out there and I know Joe Green he's kind of has the ability to knock down threes but he's just not the two-way player that you need uh and I think that maybe Jalen Brown would be better served but he's also not a, the most consistent shooter so possibly Kelly Olynyk. but I think you need someone who's a who's a better shooter and is, is more capable on defense than Joe Green is yeah, I, I think it might come down to Marcus Smart or uh, Jalen Brown. And I think the argument for Jalen Brown is, even though he's a rookie, we've seen him play somewhat well throughout this series, not maybe tonight, but nobody played well tonight. But throughout the season, Jalen Brown as a starter has been better than Jalen Brown basically at any other position. So I think there's a strong argument to be made that Jalen Brown is good enough that when surrounded by four other really good players, he could take advantage of the attention that they uh, they draw. So if you put him out there and he has to be defended by Porter or Beal or Wall, you say, okay, well, you've got Isaiah and you've got Avery Bradley with him, then those guys are going to draw attention and have to be respected, obviously, from three. And you've got uh, Crowder and and Horford out there. Those guys have to be respected from three. Well, that opens up a lot of lanes. That opens up opportunities for uh, Jalen Brown on offense. So I, I like that idea. But... You can also make a strong argument for Marcus Smart, who tonight had one of the worst games a guy could have. Eight turnovers in tonight's game, just horrible for the most part. And and those turnovers were all bad, like live ball, just really terrible turnovers. Almost They almost could go into the Wizards' assist column, some of these turnovers. But fine, chalk it up. It's Sometimes guys have that game. You put Marcus Smart in the in the lineup. You now are trying to lock down two of the three threats out there on the perimeter in descending order, Wall, Beal, Otto Porter. Then you have that Isaiah Thomas. Maybe you hide him on Porter. And if Otto Porter tries to back him down in the post, fine, fine. It worked tonight. It's not something that's going to work all the time. I am okay with players trying to back down Isaiah Thomas in the post. If you don't overreact to it, it's okay. Sometimes they'll score. 
They won't always. These guys are not post players. So even in the post against the guy that's Isaiah Thomas's size, they're still going to hit somewhere around 50% of their shots. That's okay. That's that's better than hitting uncontested threes. So I will take that, especially if a guy trying to post up Isaiah Thomas bogs down the offense and takes away from wall shooting and takes away from Beal shooting. That is fine with me. So I I want some sort of perimeter presence that can defend those other two guys. So I might be leaning smart. And the only downside, as Brad Stevens said before the game, he wanted to keep his bench intact. So I guess, Sam, the question is, does the bench that you want to bring in against these guys, how much of an impact does that make in who you decide to start in, in game three, or game four? I don't think it, it should make that much of an impact. Like you have to, they are, there's this huge concern about them giving up these huge leads in the first quarter. So I think you make the adjustment to kind of fix that problem and then kind of adjust going on from there. But I think that's, if you are going to consider that the kind of natural bench rotation, I think that makes an argument for starting Jalen Brown because we've seen in these playoffs that uh, the main bench unit so far has been Rozier, um, Smart, Kelly Olynyk, and then actually two versions of the or two members of the starting lineup. So uh, I don't think if you uh, start Jalen Brown, it would have that much of a change in kind of the the rotation they have now. So that may be uh, just something to to consider. Um, but I don't think it should be like the biggest kind of factor moving forward. I think you just, do, you put in the the player who makes that the starting five as best as possible. Yeah. I, I I'm, I'm fine with that. I, I think if, even if you started smart, you, you can make some early substitutions. You can start smart and over, over the first five or six minutes, you can play him and then you can sub Jalen Brown in or vice versa. You know, you can start Jalen Brown. Uh, look, I, the more I talk about it, I kind of talk myself in and out of possibilities. So I still think, though, that it's not Amir Johnson. I think Amir Johnson has is done in this series for the most part. Maybe there's some minutes for him against Jan Mahimi. I'm still not sold on that idea either. Jan Mahimi made a, a little bit of an impact in this game. Uh, you know, blocked a couple of shots. He's a big, tall guy. So if he's healthy and that calf is okay, then that big, tall guy against little, small Isaiah Thomas, even if he's out of position, his big tallness could be a problem when Isaiah Thomas tries to take over in a game that's not as crappy as this. But for the most part, I think some sort of adjustment on the perimeter that is not Gerald Green, it would be, I think... Uh, palatable. And, and and part of it is Gerald Green can still get minutes in this series against the Wizards bench. A Wizards bench that's very bad defensively. The Wizards are not generally a good defensive team even though they only gave up 89 points tonight. You can have Gerald Green come out in the second unit and be a big time featured scorer. He could be a guy that, that gets good solid second unit minutes and gives you uh, an opportunity to build a lead or come back from a deficit. But as a starter, I want perimeter defense because John Wall is killing us 
And now Bradley Beal hasn't had a great series, but he had a big impact early in this game, and I just don't want to have that at all. Yeah, no. We'll see how. No, I'm sorry to interrupt. We'll see how this goes. Uh, I know that there is going to be a game five in Boston, and I just want to let all of the listeners know that you can get tickets for this game five by getting the SeatGeek app onto your phone or getting onto their website and letting SeatGeek do all of the work for you to aggregate all of the tickets that are on sale and let you know what the best deal is because they have come along and created this app and this site that does all of this stuff that you used to have to do by going to wherever you go, site to site to site to site. Now, I have the SeatGeek app. I've told you I have the SeatGeek app. I've used it multiple times to search for tickets and find the best deals. Everything is graded. Everything is color-coded on the app. If you are from out of town and you're looking to go to your first Celtics playoff game, it's a great experience. You can you can pop open the app, go to the green, the yellow, the red, whatever. The red's not the best deals. The green are the better deals for those sections. Click on that if you want to look at how the what the view is from that seat you just click on those tickets they'll show you the view from the seat so it just makes your entire life easier everything's graded it gives you a grade based value you definitely get the most bang for your buck you immediately get to see underpriced seats find the best deals that fit your budget so SeatGeek is a great place to go for and and it's not just for these these tickets it's for if you want to go to a baseball game or a concert or anything else. And the best part is you get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. If you haven't made a SeatGeek purchase by now, Game 5 is a great time to make your first SeatGeek purchase because if you download the SeatGeek app, go to the Settings tab and click Add a Promo Code and enter the the promo code LOCELTICS, you're going to get $20 back after making that first ticket purchase. It's a $20 rebate on your first ticket purchase using the promo code LOCELTICS. So download the SeatGeek app, enter that promo code LOCELTICS today. Hi, you've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a tailgate, and I want our style to stand out from the crowd. Just go to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's got all the latest fall styles. Plus, during Old Navy's colossal sale, you'll save up to 50% off store-wide. Did you say up to 50% off? I did, so don't sit on the sidelines. Old Navy has the perfect pants from 19 bucks, stylish dresses from 15 bucks, and comfy tees for the family from just 6 bucks. right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. We're cheering for Old Navy. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 10 to 1010, select styles only. Now, I don't know if Kelly Oubre is going to be back in time for that Game 5. So let's shift to really the biggest storyline of this game, Sam. The the shenanigans. The tomfoolery. The shenanigans. Ballyhoo. <laughs> yes. The, well, I, I was going to say fisticuffs, but no, there were no fisticuffs. Uh, it was a Donnybrook of sorts. Um so Kelly Olynyk, now I guess I guess I have to admit to some level of green goggledom here because I was looking and and I only base this on Twitter and I know Twitter is a weird place sometimes. So many people were saying that pick that Kelly Olynyk set on Ubre was dirty, and I swear I don't see it, and I swear I I'm not an apologist 
that would say, like, I feel like if I saw a dirty play, I could recognize that and call out our own guys and say, no, that was bullshit. That was dirty. You should definitely be, you know, that's not, that's not cool. I didn't see anything bad about that play other than Kelly Olenek is tall. Kelly Oubre is not as tall. Olenek leaned in and his shoulder caught Oubre. And okay, offensive foul, fine, fine. I've seen hard fouls, uh, hard picks set in this series. So comparing that pick to other picks in this series, it's really not that egregious at all. But dirty? And to get that reaction from Oubre? I think, the, talk about an overreaction. And I swear that the people who are calling this a dirty play by Olenek would not say a damn thing if Ubre had just gotten up, said, okay, clapped his hand, said, good, offensive foul, we'll take the ball and go down the other end of the court. If Ubre had not reacted the way he did, there's not a single person in the world who would sit there and say that was a dirty play. No, I think the main issue is that people generally hate Kelly Olynyk, and this is from uh, from Wizards Twitter to Celtics Twitter. Uh, it's just he's a he's a pretty. Uh, I don't think this, but like people just really dislike him. They they treat him like he's one of the most loathsome characters there is. And I, I, I mean, I get it. He's not the he doesn't have the best looking facial hair, but it's just like it doesn't make any sense to me. And I think you're right. I don't. This was absolutely an illegal screen. I do not think it was the a, a dirty play whatsoever. Now apparently, there uh, Ubre had like complained about uh, a previous screen that kind of went unseen. Uh, we did not see because ESPN um, did not show it to us. But apparently, that he had been repeatedly hit in the head. But that reaction by him was absurd. Like that is just not. You're. I was so shocked. I was just kind of sitting there with my jaw agape, just like what. We do not see NBA basketball players like react in that matter to a to a pick. So I was, I was just, like just completely just didn't know how to react. And then um, I thought I'm maybe this was just in slow motion, but it kind of looked like um, Kelly Olynyk sold the flop a little bit. But looking back on the <laughs> replay a bunch of times, it's Ubre like hit him with a with a full head of steam. So. I don't. He probably did get uh, knocked over because he did not expect that. Because no one expected it. Because that's just not how you react. And I, I, I Kelly. I mean Kelly Oubre. Yeah. But first, we have to say Kelly on Kelly crime is just a good old fashioned <laughs> fun. <laughs> that's just uh, good stuff. But Kelly Oubre is tw- like he's only twenty one years old. I was looking at his Wikipedia page. He's he was born in nineteen ninety five, which is absurd. Um, and even that doesn't like justify or give him any sort of like reason for reacting that way it was just it was stupid and he's probably going to get suspended for game four I wouldn't be surprised if he got two games because he also bumped the the ref at the same time it was just like yeah an absolutely absurd thing for Kelly Oubre to do and then once he gets ejected you just see him with his like sad puppy dog 21 year old face like walking off the court realizing oh I did I did something stupid and it was just, it was kind of hilarious, but kind of just kind of, mostly just shocking. Right. I, I, I think it was a stupid play. And Isaiah Thomas, after the game on the whole situation says, 
I don't know why he reacted like that, especially to Kelly. Kelly's not trying to make anyone mad. Like, that's... I know the outside, like you said, you're right. Because Olenek had that incident with Kevin Love where Love separated, I mean, uh, dislocated his shoulder. And everybody's, like, freaking out about Kelly Olenek. Kelly Olenek is a docile Canadian. Like, there's... As, and if any Wizards fans are listening to us, you know, we've had this, like, cross-promotion. Like, Celtics fans, you should always go listen to the other team in this series. We're always promoting the Lockdown Podcast Network. We've got every team uh, represented. You should be listening to the Lockdown Wizards podcast every day so you can get the other team's perspective. So, if Wizards fans are doing that for us and you're listening to this right now, I can tell you. From day one of Kelly Olynyk's tenure here, I would love it if Kelly Olynyk was as fierce and dirty as you think he is, because then he would at least be playing with some of the passion that we've been begging him to play with consistently over the course of his career. Kelly Olenek's biggest problem is that he doesn't play with that aggressiveness. He's not out there trying to hurt anybody or make anybody mad. That's Kelly Olenek's problem. That's his biggest deficiency. If he had an edge that occasionally showed itself as, well, yeah, you know, every once in a while he's going to lose his cool and he's going to make a dirty play, that would be more palatable to a lot of Celtics fans than the Kelly Olenek that is about to leave the Boston Celtics this summer because at least Kelly would be aggressive. So, I, and and I I just don't when I'm, I've watched that play, and I think people see what they want to see based on Ubre's reaction. And the example that I go to is Game One, where Al Horford contested Markeith Morris's shot, landed underneath. Morris's airspace, Markeith came down, sprained his ankle. Okay, now you have somebody that's hurt. Everybody says, oh my God, let's go look at what happened. And everybody says, oh man, that was a dirty play. I can't believe that was so dirty. Fast forward to later in that same game, fourth quarter of that same game, Bogdanovich takes a corner three, right corner, right at the break, right in front of the Celtics bench. I remember it vividly. Marcus Smart goes up to contest. He lands underneath Bogdanovich's airspace. He comes down, falls down. They call it a three-shot foul. That was that was a dumb foul that almost cost the Celtics the game. But he didn't land on Marcus's foot. He did not sprain his ankle. And there was zero outcry. Not one single person that said, oh my God, that was a dirty play. What's Marcus doing? He's trying to hurt Bogdanovich. Nobody said that. Because there was no reaction to color your opinion. And I will wholeheartedly believe that if Ubre just got up, said, here's the foul, I, I thank you for the foul, I'm going to run down the other end of the court, all of these people who said, oh my God, this that was a dirty pick, not one, not one, not one would go out there and say, Kelly Linick was dirty on that play. Nobody. I think the the fact that Ubre reacted in such a way, it, it it would just make more sense if it was a dirty play because his reaction was so over the top. And it feels like I don't know if he's just kind of a young guy, 
uh, not able to hand his emotions, but you, the the fight was going to come in this game no matter what. It did like Jonas and Jan Mahimi got into it uh, just for like some nonsense about that was like, amazing. I love that a couple of minutes beforehand. Um, the Wizards got pushed around for for two games. They were definitely like uh, the less physical team uh, in the games in Boston. They also had a, like lost a game that they should have won, and they had to spend two days hearing about how great uh, Isaiah Thomas was. Um, so I, it kind of felt like the 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 fisticuffs and the tomfoolery were going to come in this game. It was just bizarre that it ended up being kind of Kelly Oubre and, and Kelly Olynyk. But you're right; I just it just doesn't make any sense of why it kind of happened that way. And then we got some more uh, <laughs> some more fun stuff. We got Brandon Jennings, Terry Rozier. I believe this would be round two because they had some. Um, some squabbling back in the regular season. And then uh, Jennings in game one tried to step on Rozier's shoe after he lost it. it was, that was just an absurd sequence with Brad Stevens yelling the entire time, Brandon Jennings is the one starting this. It's all Brandon Jennings. <laughs> Which is just, Brad was amazing. That was like that was the angry Brad Stevens. I've never seen him that angry. Um, and I really wanted him to get tossed out of that game. Just uh, it would have I made, thought he might. I thought he was going to, but that's just not that's not a Brad move. Is kind of the to get tossed just because you're so pissed off and maybe inspire the troops. So you've never seen Brad do that, but he was he was furious, and that just it felt like the refs at that point they realized they had lost control of the game, and they were just like, "We're not we're not here for this." Uh, Terry Rozier, uh, Brandon Jennings, backup point guard, who's uh, inconsistent. Like we're just not here for this competition. Uh, please just carry on. You two go to the locker room. And I, I can kind of understand it, but it just felt like both of those double technicals were super bullshit. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Um, all right. Are we ready for Jam's Junk Drawer? I believe we are. Yeah, I think this is a good time. We've got music. We've picked out this funky little music for Jam's Junk Drawer because this has become like the hottest feature on our post-game podcast. So, Jam, let's empty this junk drawer. Let's do it. All right. Uh, pre-game, uh, the, there was a message from Wolf Blitzer trying to get the Wizards fans pumped up at the Verizon Center. And I wrote in my notes, Advantage Celtics. It did not work out that way. But if Wolf Blitzer is your biggest celebrity fan, that is a depressing state of Washington okay. sports. Can I tell you, he does that before every game. That's a that's a regular feature at the Verizon Center. Oh man, yeah. that is pathetic. Side note, side note, I've been there. It sucks. <laughs> it, that Verizon Center sucks. It's a terrible place to go watch a game. And to think I've been using my SeatGeek app to track prices on Game Four because uh, I thought the Celtics were going to win Game Three or had a chance, and I thought prices were going to go down. But no, I, I don't want to go to the Verizon Center if uh, if the environment is set by Wolf Blitzer. Um, next. The most interesting man in the uh, world commercials, they have a new guy. And I know this has been that way for a while, but really, <laughs> like, what the hell? But then I thought the fact that he's a new guy, but still the same character, does that make him more interesting? Um, so I kind of I put myself in the spin zone right there and completely rebought it. Uh, all right. Less. Celtics are the worst alley-oop team in the history of the league. Like, oh, my God, the worst. <laughs> The only time it works is if it's a weird alley-oop to Kelly Olynyk, and then he does like a weird contorts his body and does a reverse layup, or the ATO uh, play to Jalen Brown. And those are the only two times that uh, alley-oops work for the Celtics. 
They throw alley-oops like a 12-year-old learning a controller on PS2 or whatever, PS whatever, Xbox thing that there is. It's like, what? Is it the triangle thing? Is that the alley-oop? Oh, no, that didn't work? Okay. That's basically the Celtics. Or sometimes you just get in a battle with your friends where you just say only alley-oops and you're just throwing half-court lobs the entire time. <laughs> that's the best. Uh, all right. Uh, at the end of the second quarter, there was a goal 10 called on, I think it was Al Horford, and they showed the replay, and there was just nothing there. There was just zero evidence of a goal 10. It was very confusing. I was, I just... Doris Burke was equally bemused. It was just don't know what happened there. It was bizarre. They cannot call goaltends in the NBA. No one knows it. No one knows what the rule is. But the ball wasn't even touched. It didn't hit the backboard. It wasn't even blocked. Yeah, it, was, it doesn't matter. It was it was absurd. All right. ESPN, when they were showing their halftime stats uh, coming out of the, the first half, um, they are just playing some nice smooth jazz underneath. And it felt like it was... There was like the the music reserved for the blowout because there was no intensity and the, if they like came in with really intense music it would have ruined the mood. So I was just I kind of liked the smooth jazz. I didn't like the Celtics being down by 25, but the the smooth jazz was nice. Um, like, apparently John Wall called Jonas Jerebko a hoe. He did. <laughs> and, like I, I don't know what. It's like being mad at Kelly Olynyk. What? <laughs> like what? I just don't think Jonas Jerebko is a hoe. But for all the people to like single out, that makes zero sense. And John Wall tonight, I like when he shat all over Dennis Schroeder in the um, first round of the playoffs. I forget like, the exact phrase, but he was just like, talk, like said the same thing over and over again and talking shit to him. I thought it was hilarious. But I don't know if it's just the nature of playoff basketball, but his mean mugging tonight, um, and his, I would say 90% has to do with the fact that the Celtics were down by 25 for the entire game. But tonight I was just like, oh, get your face out of here, John Wall. Um, so that was, uh, that was a bit frustrating. The Doris Burke story, shoot, by the way, was fantastic on play-by-play, on color commentary tonight. She was like just really good at explaining the game. I don't see why that's not her full-time job. But she was telling the story about when she visited Celtics camp and uh, the Celtics players were laughing about how Marcus Smart fouls on every single play and just challenges the refs to call it. And it was like, yeah, well, that makes complete sense. Like, it's the it's the Seattle Seahawks theory of defense. But if you've watched Marcus play, it, I would say he could call a foul on pretty much every one of his defensive possessions. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And side note, I want to give a shout-out to Doris Burke because, first of all, A, she's awesome. And I think she does a great job on the games. B, she has said on the air that she listens to Locked On Network podcasts in the cities where she does the games. So I will assume that Doris is listening to us right now. And I want to give a shout out to Doris Burke because Doris Burke is effing awesome. And I love her. And I think she should be doing color for all of these games. So, shout out to you, Doris. What's up? Shout out doing? to Doris. She's got stupid handles. It's a, uh, it's awesome. Um, I completely agree. Uh, let's see. Uh, Lou Bega is back. I don't know if you guys noticed that. <laughs> I saw that ad. <laughs> I think that's what? a huge deal. I know he's been in our hearts and minds for the past twenty years, but now he's back for real, and he's back big. Would this be Mambo number six? I would think it would have to be. I don't know. I, I'm what. Is waiting. that the worst joke I could have told in that instance? It wasn't a great joke, but it made sense. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's 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 wrap this up. Um, 
the big dog got in the game. I'm just going to like give a nice little golf clap for the big dog because uh, he's really fallen from grace, and I have a soft space in my heart for the big dog. And he, he made some shots, and he made, um, I think he assisted a, a James Young three-pointer, so uh, he's still still being a little bit productive. Um, and then. Oh, that's going to wrap it up. Oh, at the end of the game, they were talking about uh, Brad Stevens and his love of uh, this University of Pennsylvania professor, uh, Angela Duckworth, um, who's all she's the author of this book, Grit. And I just love that Brad Stevens loves an author uh, who wrote a book called Grit and about the gritty mindset. Uh, also, I went currently go to the University of Pennsylvania, and she is like the biggest academic celebrity here on campus. So it was a, kind of a weird crossing of worlds for me. So that's going to wrap it up for the uh, the Jams Junk Drawer. Sweet. There's an academic celebrity? That's a thing? Uh, in the Ivy Leagues, apparently it is. <laughs> that is a very Ivy League thing to do. Uh, all right, cool. All right, look, we've had some fun with this. Uh, I hope the people listening have had some fun with this. This game sucked. Oh, it I sucked. just remembered one huge part oh. of Jams Junk Drawer. I'm sorry. This was... Oh, yeah, no. There's so, always time for Jams. I have not shaved um, in about a week and a half uh, because the last time I shaved was after game two of the Bull series, and I just couldn't shave after the Celtics won six games in a row. And I've been walking around with just, like, I cannot grow good facial hair. So I've been walking around with just one of the ugliest beards uh, ever and just getting looks from people who think I'm a, a dirty human being. I try like the electric razor where you can like trim it down to different sizes. That's never worked. I just look like uh, basically a hobo right now. And so if there's any good spin zone we can take from this loss is that finally I can get back to looking like a normal human being. I'm sure your girlfriend would approve of the lack of crazy homeless beard jam packer uh is it as bad as paul pierce's beard because as much as i love paul pierce he has the worst beard i've ever seen in my life it's i wouldn't say is as bad i feel like i have more face coverage than paul pierce had he had probably had like two or three percent but I yeah like it's bad that, but it's just it's mine's pretty patchy and just a, an odd color it's, it's not good i feel bad for guys who want to grow beards but can't like Sidney Crosby. <laughs> yeah, like you just keep trying and trying and trying. Just, just don't do it. It's like it, it's the inverse of guys who uh, are holding on to their hair at the time. It's like, or maybe it's not the inverse. I don't know what inverse means. <laughs> it, just shave it all off. If you can't grow hair in a place where you want hair to be, then you need to make the adjustment. Like, Brad Stevens needs to make an adjustment in the starting lineup. You need to adjust and alter your plan because the plan that you have is not working. You know, you're you're this close to being Carlos Boozer with the, with the spray-painted head. You're that close if you're hanging on to it. Trust me. I've always wanted to try some, uh, some face Rogaine just to see what would happen, but... Uh... <laughs> Who knows? Maybe the next one. Face Rogaine. You would you would basically turn into Teen Wolf. Hey, if it means the Celtics can get to the Eastern Conference Final, I'm pretty much willing to do anything at this point. We'll take it. You you are taking one for the team. You're in playoff mode. I love it. All right. I'm glad everybody. We're, we like I said, we've we've had some fun uh, on a, a really crappy game. Kind of felt like this kind of game was coming. Uh, I think game four might be a little bit different. I don't think game four is critical, but it'd be nice. I think game five is the critical game in this series. 
I, the, the, basically, to me, the winner of Game 5 takes this series. The, the, the Wizards can win Game 4. I call chalk before this series, so I think it's going 7 with the Celtics winning in 7. But if the Celtics can win Game 4, make some adjustments, come out with a better attitude, come up with some level of first-quarter defense, that would be amazing. So hopefully that happens. We will watch and see. The game is on Sunday. So this is our weekend podcast. Listen to it a few times if you want, because this is the podcast you're going to get for the next couple of days. We'll be back Sunday night. I want to thank SeatGeek, our sponsor. Download the SeatGeek app. Enter the promo code LOCELTICS, and you will get $20 back on your first ticket purchase through them. If you are a subscriber... Thank you for subscribing to the podcast, downloading it on a daily basis. We are here Monday through Friday for you. Please rate us five stars. Give us a nice little rating, a little uh, review. Do that. That's going to help us a lot. Again, we have become the number one team-oriented, team-specific podcast in the world. The Lockdown Celtics podcast. Boom, bitches, indeed. <laughs> the, the Locked On Celtics podcast. Everybody above us in the rankings covers an entire league, an entire genre. We're the only team-specific podcast ranked this high in all of humanity. So thank you for doing that. Now, because we just want to keep getting better and better, we're on that Isaiah Thomas tip. We just want to. We're not satisfied with any success. We want to be up in the top 100 now of all sports podcasts. So your five star rankings, your five star ratings, your your reviews help us spread the word, and more people will join us. If you are new to the podcast, please subscribe and 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 join in the fun because we have a lot of fun here on the podcast. Be sure to check out the le- the rest of the network, Lockdown Wizards. They do a great job over there. We've done a, po- a crossover podcast with them. We'll do more and check out everyone else. There's a lot going on in the NBA. Check out Lockdown NBA with our founder, David Locke. He's out there covering a series between the Warriors and the Jazz, which well, not going so yeah. for the Jazz, but, uh, you know, hey, we'll just leave that alone right now. So check out the whole thing. Check us out. We'll be back Sunday, hopefully with a 3-1 lead here on the Locked On Celtics Podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast. Yeah, Jay King and John Corrales, Locked On Celtics. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.